So we've been talking about kingdom living as a, as a, as a way to talk about what it means to be a disciple. And um, today I want to continue on and just talk about something that I feel is a very important cornerstone of what it means to be a disciple. I don't know how many of you have been just watching in the news this week as one of our major uh, insurance aid companies got a hiding uh, in, the, in the court of public opinion. If you know the story, there was a, a family that had a terrible loss where the husband was killed in a, in a violent crime. And uh, in, initially the insurance company said they're not going to pay out the, the claim for the life insurance because when he took out the life insurance a number of years ago, he actually had a pre-existing uh, sugar condition, sugar-related condition, and he didn't make them aware of it. And according to the rules of, of, of the insurance, then they... they not, they don't have to pay out because of this. So the 2.4 million rand that was the policy's worth due to his widow, they then said they're not going to pay out. Even though he was killed by a violent crime because there was a pre-existing sugar condition, they're not going to pay it out. Um, this made its way into the public space and to public domain, and there was an outcry of note over social media against this insurance company, and I'm sure some of you sitting here works for this insurance company, so I'm not going to say anything, but the, the, uh, an outcry happened, and I don't think they were different than any other insurance company. Would, they would all have done the same, so it's not against them specifically that, uh, that I'm using this illustration. And, um, and, and eventually they, they said, okay, we'll, what we'll do is we're not going to pay the claim, but we'll give back the, the premiums of the, the, the... But that didn't satisfy public opinion. People continued to just speak really violently against this, and eventually they relented and paid the, the policy out to this lady, and obviously she was very happy, and, and they've actually changed their policies now in terms of this and the, the rules that they have that, that um, to any violent crime that they would pay up, up to three million or something like that, no matter what the, you know, the pre-existing conditions or anything, which I think was a, a good and wonderful thing. But so often in our public space, there's so much energy and time spent on assigning responsibility. Who's responsible? In this case, it was the insurance company saying, we're not responsible to pay in this situation. Think about how much time is spent in our nation in court cases trying to figure out who's responsible. You know, presidential uh, uh, inquiries that have to be established. We, we spend a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of energy on trying to find out who's responsible. Who's responsible for the millions of rand that have been lost through, through the VBS bank situation or for the millions of rands that state enterprises have, have lost or, or through corruption? Who's responsible? And we all talk about it all the time. Who's responsible? It seems to be such an inherent part of our human condition that we duck responsibility, that we pass the buck, we shift the blame. We, we, we withdraw and we say, it's not me, it's not, it's not my fault. And I think we've got this from Adam. Remember in Adam, when God caught them red-handed with their, their hands in the fruit tree? And, uh, and God comes and says, hey, what's going on? And Adam says, I mean, this is phenomenal. You know, he says, Lord, it's the wife, the woman, you gave me. Not only does he blame Eve, but he implicates God. He says, it's your fault. I don't know how clever this man was. I don't think you blame God. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it seems like since that day, right through to Pontius Pilate not wanting to take responsibility for Jesus, we, we all have this sort of knee-jerk reaction, don't we, that whenever something happens, it's not my fault. It's not my, how many husbands? 
Okay, let's not go there. Let's just move on. You know, I think my wife will just get really exasperated when I go, oh, it's not me, it's the children. It's your children. We, we just tend to do this all the time. I don't want to take responsibility. There's, you know, I think we've all heard stories of great uh, reasons people don't want to take responsibility. For instance, in insurance claims and for vehicle accidents, here are some of the excuses people gave why they're not responsible for the accident and the insurance company must pay out. I noticed a camel and an elephant tethered at the verge of the road. This, dis- this distraction caused me to lose concentration and to hit the, si- uh, the, the curb. So therefore, you must pay out. The accident happened because I had one eye on the lorry in front, one eye on the pedestrian, and another eye on the car behind me. <laughs> so even three-eyed people is not responsible. Um, the, the, another insurance claim just simply said this, windscreen broken, case, uh, cause unknown, probably voodoo. <laughs> another person said, an invis- invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and vanished. There are aliens about. Watch out. Another one said, my car got hit by a submarine. I don't know if that person was in Pretoria. Uh, and then the last one, a house hit my car. You know, we, we've all blamed the, 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 the proverbial tree that jumped into the road. For You know, we, it's just what we do, isn't it, as human beings? We don't want to take responsibility. But somebody once said, and I, I read this the other day, that the line between childhood and adulthood is crossed when we move from saying it got lost to I lost it. The line from, adult, from childhood to adulthood is crossed when we stop saying it got lost and we say I lost it. What's the difference between the two? Taking responsibility. Being accountable. And I want to tell you today that so often in this world we live in, there seems to be the Peter Pan uh, sort of condition that goes around. That people just want to live the Peter Pan lifestyle of just being the eternal happy child. That just can just carry on with life and float around and fly and, and just live in imaginary world and just, you know, we often refer to it as la la land and just, you know, enjoy life. Even as believers, we sometimes have people that you look at them and you think, are you ever going to grow up as a believer? And the line between childhood, as this quote says, and adulthood is taking responsibility. Taking responsibility. If you want to live your whole life and just enjoy life and not take responsibility, there will always be a childhood. But adults, mature people, step into spaces of saying, I'll be responsible. And I want to apply that particularly to what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a follower of Christ. To be a disciple, a whole lot about it is about taking responsibility. Taking responsibility. Understanding that at the end of the day, my journey as a disciple is my responsibility. It's my journey, it's my quest. It's something I have to take ownership of. It's not somebody else's responsibility. Others contribute to it. Others can have big influence on on my journey as a disciple of what it means to be a Christian and to be a follower of Christ. Others can contribute from it. Others can test me. There's a whole lot that others can do. But at the end of the day, it remains solely my responsibility. And there's no sharedness about it. It's mine.
It's one of these dynamics that as we live in community, we always have to fundamentally understand that we express our discipleship in community, but we own it individually. Because otherwise we can get that a bit wrong and we start saying, well, it's because of the church that I'm in that I am this kind of disciple and I can blame them. You know, Lord, it's the pastor you gave us. If, if we just had a different it would be so much better. If it's the, you know, it's, it's, it's the place. We, we can so easily shift responsibility. Sometimes you get this feeling that, people, that Christians would love to pay others to do their discipleship work for them. To stand in proxy. So we'll, 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 we'll pay a worship, and we don't even pay ours, but we'll, we'll pay a worship team. And we say, they will worship on our behalf. And how good they worship is how good I'm worshiping. Does that make sense? Can you do that? Hey Luke, can you do that? Can I farm out my worship responsibility to somebody else? I mean, I love companies like We Queue For You. You know those? That you pay and then I don't have to go stand in the queue, they go stand in the queue. I mean, they are like wonderful. But do you know that in church life, in your discipleship, you can't do that? You can't pay somebody else and say, you go read the Bible on my behalf. I mean, you don't pay me to study the scripture, to give you the scripture, and then you can say, wow, yeah, I'm really growing in my discipleship because my pastor really understands the word. <laughs> no. Hey? You can't, you can't proxy grow in the kingdom of God. It's you. My discipleship, my following of Christ is my responsibility. It's my journey. And it's therefore that we use different tools like the triangle we've been speaking about. So that it's not just, and, and you would be wrong if you heard, looked at the triangle for instance and say, oh, that's wonderful. That helps me understand the journey of discipleship. It's not an explanation. It's actually a tool that you and I can use in our lives to say, well, as I take responsibility for my discipleship journey, I want to make sure that I'm a well-rounded, well-balanced disciple and that I grow in my up, my in, and my out. So Lord, help me, give me, use this tool. So that's what I want to do this morning uh, as quickly as I can, is take the triangle we've been sharing about it and, and apply it as a tool here this morning to say, Lord, it's my responsibility to grow. It's my journey, my quest with you as a disciple. So I want to stand and I want to look at my up, my in and my out. So my question to you this morning is, how are you doing in your up, in and out? How are you doing? Not house, the church doing. How are you doing? Because it belongs to you. How are you doing in your up? To help us Describe that, I want to give you two things that I think is vital for us to be taking responsibility for in our up. The first one is to seek. It is my responsibility to seek the Lord. To grow as a disciple, to be an effective follower of Christ, you don't just receive, you pursue. That's why we entitled this year The Disciples' Quest. It's a quest. I take responsibility for, Lord, I'm going to seek you. Doesn't the scripture all over say, if you seek me and you seek me with your spare time. If you seek me with one hour a week. No, if you seek me with 
all of your heart. All. There's a seeking in us. Not a striving, not a works thing, but a thing of, Lord, I want to know you and I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to find you. I read the scriptures, Lord, because I want to know you. I pray because I want to know you, Lord. I come in times of, and I worship, I give my life to you. Whether it's worship in music and in church or worship through my work in the week, I pursue you, Lord. Every day, I seek you, Lord. I'm not just sitting on the couch, you know, Lord, if you're looking for, you know where to find me. I'll be here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There may be a TV in front of me, so just, you know. But I'm waiting, Lord. You want to do something, here I am. You won't have to look far for me. How many of you know you don't live a Christian life like that? You got to get up, man. You got to go. You got to pursue. You got to seek. Natasha has this habit every now and then. She'll actually go and sleep in the church, there in the South Church. Not because God is there after hours. But as a, as a sign for her, it's just the way she does it, where she will say, I want to just break through out of my normal just every day, and I want to say, Lord, I'm desperate for you. Desperate for you. When we fast, isn't it us saying, Lord, I, I'm looking for you. Nothing will sustain me more than you. I do not want to live life and miss you. There's a seeking in us. We seek the Lord. That's the first part of growing up. The second part of growing up, oh, sorry, and there's a scripture that I wanted to share, sorry, with the seeking, Hebrews 11, verse 6, that well-known scripture. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to, he who comes to God must believe that he, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. God rewards our seeking. Not because he's playing hard to get, or because he's difficult, but because it's a relationship. I don't seek him out of religious practice. I seek him because I want to have a relationship with him. Sometimes people come and they say, you know, I've been praying. I've been seeking the Lord for a year now and God's not answering my prayer. How long must I seek? It's a very easy answer to that question. Till you find him. The difference between the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins was the foolish ones weren't prepared to go the distance. They didn't plan to wait until the bridegroom comes. They were only prepared to wait a certain amount of time. The, the wise one said, the bridegroom may be longer than we thought he would be, so we, we're ready. You and I seek God till we find him. That's it, bottom line. It sometimes takes long. And that's his sovereignty, that's his wisdom. The second thing we do is we respond. We seek and then we respond. The biblical word for respond is just this word, obey. Because now I seek the Lord and then he comes and he starts speaking to me. Then I obey. If I want to grow up, I have to obey the Lord. I have to not just hear his word, but do it. So much of our growing is not in the hearing of the word, it's in actually the doing of the word, isn't it? It's stepping out and doing. Obedience is tough. Obedience is hard. People that do not take responsibility find it very hard to obey. Why me? Why must I do this? Why must I go through all these challenges? Why do you ask this of me, Lord? It's not fair to ask this of me. But people that take responsibility that says, Lord, yes, Lord, 
they can obey. They push forward in obedience and they, they go the extra mile in their obedience. There's got to be something in us that says, Lord, whatever you ask, whenever you ask it, however you ask it, in front of whoever you ask it, I'll say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I will obey you. Obedience is not always easy because it's, it's sometimes difficult to discern what is the Lord exactly ask of you. But it begins with a heart that says, yes, Lord. Obedience. I'll never grow up into my maturity if I don't obey the Lord. And he will, he's not scared to ask very difficult things of us, is he? So the next part is in. And I want to link these two. So then I've got to grow in. Growing in grows in community. And this, this is where it's so important to understand that my community is vital towards my growing up. It's my responsibility, it's my task to lay hold of my discipleship and to grow. But God gives me a community that enhances my ability to grow. Sometimes I grow because of the problems in my community. That's okay. As long as we're growing, God is... You know, that's the maturity is the, is the thing. Now, we don't try and live there. We try and minimize that. But don't make your focus on the growing, the, the journey. A lot of the times, most of the times, we grow because we get to walk and journey with amazing people that we learn from, that we share with, that we, that we process things with, that, that we experience God with. And we grow in community. We, we, off, we say that discipleship happens best in community. So I'm seeking the Lord and I'm, and I'm wanting to obey the Lord and therefore the Lord adds a community to me to say, now that you've sought me and you've, you've found me, let me give you a community that will help you know what it means to obey me. I'm so grateful for people in this community that when there's key times in my life that God is saying something to me and I believe God is nudging me in a different direction, I can go to somebody and say, just help me hear what God is saying. Help me pray through this. And that's where we use another tool. Not only do we have a triangle as a tool, but we also have a circle. We have the circle that helps us. It's the circle of change. How do we go through times when we're discerning God speaking to us and challenging us, whether it's a positive thing that I have to add to my life or a negative thing like a sin that I have to take away from my life. There's a, there's a tool I can use that helps me. But this tool only works in community to its full potential. So the circle works something like this, and many of you have heard this before, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But at the top there is a kairos moment. That's a key moment. That's a moment that requires obedience. That's a moment where God is revealing something to me, showing something to me, challenging me, saying, this needs to change, positive or negative. It's a moment that requires obedience. Now, to be obedient, I need to understand what God is really saying to me. And therefore, we go into the first part of the circle and we do what is called observe, reflect, discuss. In observe, I look at the situation. I look at what God's saying to me so that I can understand it, so that I can get to the reality of it. The, a biblical word for that is the word confess. To confess means to call things what it is. It's to look at something, to see it. So often when it comes to sin, we want to say, I don't have an anger problem, I'm frustrated. It's the children you gave me, Lord. But if you observe in a Kairos moment and God's working with you, you may stand back and say, I have an anger problem. You will deal with it differently according to what you name it. 
So observe becomes important. Observe and then reflect. Reflect is, if I have an anger problem, if I continue, these are the results. I'm gonna alienate people. I'm gonna do my testimony damage. I'm not gonna be able to serve God's kingdom. Whatever, these are, if I reflect on it. Now, this is already the place where it's really good if you've got a trusted companion that you can bring them into the situation and say to them, listen, I feel the Lord is stirring in my heart that I may have an anger problem. If you have a good friend that loves you, they'll go, finally. (laughs) Praise God. We've all been trying to tell you you have an anger problem, but when we touch on it, you get so angry. (laughs) When you discuss it, then, observe, reflect, discuss, you actually get to the point where you start understanding this issue. You see, so often, particularly when it comes to sin issues, and remember, this circle of change is about negative and positive things, not only about sin issues, but so often when it comes to a sin issue, a, a, a sin in my life gets revealed, whether it's to me or through somebody else or whatever. I have a Kairos moment. <gasps> There's a problem I have to change. We're so ashamed that all we want to do is just cover it up, move on. We just want to say, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again and just move on. If that's our priority, we'll never change. If you really want to grow in the Lord, you have to take those moments where you become aware that this is ugly, man. That you look at it, you call it what it is, under the blood and the grace of Jesus. You you get to understand it so that you can say, Lord, so that you can change this. I don't want to just move beyond it. I want to change, Lord. If you really want to change, then you go into the next part of it. Plan, account, act. Any change in our lives requires a plan. A plan involves prayer. A plan involves a lot of things, but there's a plan. This is what I'm going to do. Now, any plan is probably as good as you prepare to be accountable to it. How many of you know we've got many plans? We don't actually follow through on all of those plans. Now, accountability is just a step that helps us follow through. So when I've got a plan, it may be that with that person that I've done, observe, reflect, discuss, I've helped develop a plan, then I say to them, listen, this is my responsibility. It's my discipleship journey. It's not your responsibility. I'm not transferring on it to you and saying, now you must hold me accountable. No, I'm accountable. This is my responsibility, but I want to hold myself accountable to you. So I'm going to phone you every now and then or make an appointment with you. I'm going to come and see you. I'm going to just tell you what my progress is or what's happening in my life, however it requires. But it's my responsibility. I'm going to be accountable. It's tough for us to do, but when you live in community with one another and there's a shared understanding of our responsibility and our taking our discipleship seriously, we find it easier to do this and, and we do it with each other. And then there's act. Now you actually do something about it. And only once you come to the act point can you really say something has changed. It's not just about dealing with the emotions, it's about dealing with the whole situation. So that's in. We need each other. And praise God for each other. Praise God for trusted relationships, for people that I can share with, whether it's in life group. And life group is such a great place where people build these kind of relationships where they can share with one another and help each other on their discipleship journeys. If you haven't been part of a life group, next year's your year. Join a life group. Start a new one. If you say, I can't do it every Thursday evening, go to a life group, then let's start something different. But we need to be in community so that we can take responsibility for our discipleship. 
Didn't Jesus in Matthew 28 say to, say to us, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. It's our task is to teach each other, to help each other obey. Then the last one is out. I must grow up. I must, and the Lord helps me with my in relationships to do that. But then there's also the out, the manifestation of God in my life, the fruitfulness, the, the reaching out to others, the giving to others, what God has done in my life. And so often this is a tricky area for us to take responsibility in. It's probably one of the biggest areas I've observed in my own life and observed with so many of us that, we, that this is the area where we just push it away from ourselves a little bit. So some of the things we'll say, and I want to say the positive this morning, is we'll say, and, and we'll try and sort of back out and you know, pass the buck by saying, I'm not the right person. I'm not the right person. I, I, you know, the, the God can't use me. In my family, I'm not the right person. I, I, I'm not the person that, that is. Now, I want to tell you, you are the right person. Not from some positive confession, whoa, rah, rah, motivation, you're the right person thing, but from a place of you're God's child. If he put you in that situation, you're the right person to do what he wants you to do. You may not do everything in that situation, but if you don't take responsibility and say, Lord, what are you asking of me in this situation? What are you expecting of me? Perhaps you're expecting of me only to, behind the scenes, quietly pray. But I'll take responsibility for that. Perhaps you're asking me to say something. Perhaps you're asking me to do something, to give something. Perhaps you're asking me to write something. I don't know. But Lord, I'm going to take responsibility and say, what do you ask of me? I'm going to, Lord, I'm the person. I'm the guy that you put here or the lady that you put in this situation. I'm going to stop looking for somebody else. That's so often our problem is we're looking for somebody else. We say, I'm not the person, so-and-so, they're the person. What can, how can we get them, you know? And I know how it works sometimes. You're walking with somebody and then they say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Then you say, let's phone the pastor. We're going to come and pray for you. Oh, we can't get the pastor. I don't know what we're going to do now. Oh, we can't lead you to Jesus. Let's, let's wait another week. Perhaps so. No, come on. Sometimes we'll say, I'm not at the right place. Again, by the fact that you're there and you've got the grace of God on your life, you're at the right place and you cannot walk away from responsibility. You can't say, Lord, this, this, this where I'm working, I'm not at the right place. What is my responsibility, Lord? What are you asking of me? What do I need to say yes to and step up and say, I'll take responsibility, Lord. This is the place. Or sometimes we say, I don't have what it takes. I don't know enough. I don't understand enough. I haven't been trained enough. I, I, can't, I can't do anything. No, come on. If you're journeying with people and you don't understand the dynamics, you say, Lord, I'm going to read now. I'm going to go to others that understand. How, I'm going to do something. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm not just going to say, I don't know. It's not my responsibility. If this is what you want from me, and this is where it's again great to be in community where you've got people and you can do the circle with and you can go to people and say, listen, I'm feeling a nudging in my heart about these people that God wants me to journey with. And I don't know, is this God? Is it me? Help me pray through it. Help me discover what God is saying. So that it's not just some harebrained idea. Whoa, we must all now go and 
start a soup kitchen and off we go and one week later, oh, it's exhausted. This making food every day. I didn't think about this, but this takes a lot of energy. We can't, perhaps we must pay somebody else to come and do the food now. We haven't counted the cost. We haven't thought through. We haven't done a proper circle with somebody. But in accountability, we walk together and we say, Lord, what you ask of me, not what I think is great, but what you want, what works within the body, what, what we are accountable for, Lord, what we know this is what you say, we will do and we will take responsibility. I think of the story of David. David was a young man, teenage, early teens, looking after the sheep. You know what shepherds do most day, most of the time? They sit, they watch, they sleep under a tree, they get bored. This is what David was doing. Shepherds were very important though, because so often a village invested all their wealth in sheep. They didn't have banks, they didn't have Bitcoin. They bought sheep. So the village would, would put all its sheep together and get some of the young people in the village and they would spend their days looking after the wealth of the city. So if something happened to the sheep, the whole city would be, or the whole village would be in calamity. So here's David looking after the city's wealth. Bored. Sleeping under a tree. You, have you seen sheep? They're not very exciting. They're dumb but not exciting. So he sits there all day long. Half asleep. But then a bear comes. And he says, this is my job. This is my responsibility. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to find somebody else. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to kill this bear. This young boy wrestles with a bear. Kills a bear. Not too long after that, he kills a lion. Because he refuses to run away. He says, this is my job. I've been given this task. I'm taking responsibility. He kills the lion. God's watching him. Somewhere far away, a giant stands up. Starts mocking God and mocking the people of Israel. As coincidence would have it, some of his brothers, trained soldiers are out there. So his dad calls him one day, he says, David, I need you to take some cheese to, the, to your brothers, pizza delivery. So will you take some cheese over to your brothers? So he gives him a lot of cheese and there goes the boy, the shepherd boy with cheese. That's his task, that's his responsibility. That was his KPAs, his job description. That was he was given, that was what he was gonna be measured according to. Are you gonna take the cheese from home and give it to your brothers? And according to your mother, it would be great if you can come home safely again. That's your job. So this young boy walks off with the cheese. He gets to where the Philistines are, you know, the ravine across from the, the Israelites. And he's hearing this commotion going on. And this Goliath comes and stands and shouts insults at God and his people. And David looks around and all he sees is like. <laughs> you know. And he asks the guy, says, what's going on here? Do you hear what he's saying against God and his people? Are you not going to do something? No, it's not my responsibility. You know, I didn't go to Goliath school. You know, I'm not in the, in the giant squadron. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, my sword is not that sharp, man. I told them, I told the quartermaster, they've got to give me bit, bigger armor. But look, this is what they gave me. I can't do this. It's not my job. It's not my responsibility. And all he found were people standing around going, it's not our job. It's not, my, it's not me. 
So this cheese-smelling shepherd boy steps up and says, I'll do it. I'll take responsibility. I'll do something about this. I mean, the other guys, the, the king would haul out his Facebook page, open it up, show them his daughter. Look at this. 10 out of 10. If you kill the giant, you can have her. He's doing everything he can to motivate them. No, it's not my responsibility. David says, I'll do it. You can keep your daughter, I'll do it. They put the armor on him and goes, it's like, well, man, this is way too heavy. I, I, don't even, I don't even fit in this armor. His level of stature was so small. But in the spirit, he had authority because he took responsibility. Authority always follows responsibility. I can give you authority if you don't take responsibility, you will have no authority. David says, I'll do it. So eventually he says to them, take this armor off of me. It's not going to work. I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. I know how to do that. This guy is just a bit bigger with the sword. Let me not think about this too much. I'm going to do it. So he says, just give me my slingshot. What killed the giant was not the slingshot. was a boy that said, I'll do it. I'll take responsibility. That's what killed the giant. It's all what God asks of us is to first of all take responsibility for ourselves. To say, it's my job. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but one day we're all gonna get to heaven. If Jesus comes in our lifetimes, we're all gonna get, there we go, depending on what your eschatology is, but let's believe this morning. There we go. We're all gonna find ourselves there at the, at the seat of God and he's gonna do the award ceremony and, and, and you know, reward us for our service on earth. And for how we followed him. Good, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm not, I'm not sure that you're aware of this, but that's not going to be a group event. He's not going to say, Hatfield Christian Church, will all of you stand over there? And let me come and give you your award. Hey, it's going to be you, me, on our own. Standing in front of the Lord. And Letitia said it earlier. We have no excuse because of the blood of Jesus. I'm going to stand there and he's going to say, I've given you everything. I want to reward your service. Given you all. Yes, Lord. And to the level that we take responsibility, that's the point of the story of the talents. That one guy with the one talent said, I'm not going to take responsibility. If something goes wrong, it's not my fault. You can't, we cannot do that. We have to be people that first of all says, I'm gonna step out in my own life. I'm gonna take responsibility. I'm gonna seek the Lord. I'm gonna obey the Lord. I'm gonna be so serious about it that I'll be prepared to be transparent and be accountable. And I'm gonna step out and not find excuses, but engage in this world. Engage with the things of, that are around me. Then we will see some shepherds, cheese-smelling shepherds, turned into giant slaying kings. Faithful in little, faithful in much. Perhaps you're at work and you're saying, Lord, surely there's more to my life than moving papers around. Really? Really, Lord, is this all you've got for me? All these promises you gave me, come on, man, Lord. I'm sick and tired of moving these papers around. You know the boss that I've got, the boss you gave me, Lord. 
It's because of them I can't do what I'm supposed to be doing. And my attitude and I go home and I'm exhausted and I'm because, I, you know, Lord. You like David, Lord, it's just, really there's more to me than looking after sheep. You know how dumb these things are? They run into the water all the time. They fall off the cliffs. They are stupid, Lord. Surely there's more that you can do for with my life than look after these dumb things. Have you complained like that? Take responsibility for where you are. Say, Lord, yes. I take responsibility for my discipleship. I take responsibility for my calling, for my up, my in, and my out. Let's stand together. Thank you, Sean. Will you take responsibility for this song, please? Thank you very much. <laughs> Can we this morning just say, Lord, I'm your servant. And I'm not going to push away from me what you're asking of me. I want to seek you. I want to obey you, Lord. It's my responsibility. It's my responsibility, Lord. I'm going to take responsibility. Do you know when we worship, it's an act of responsibility. When we worship in responsibility, the heavens are open. Worship is an act of responsibility because in worship we stand and we proclaim that which is true. That's why in Ephesians it says, this is the purpose of the church to make known the manifold wisdom of God to principalities and powers in the air. When we stand in worship and we take responsibility, we break through into the heavenlies. That's why worship will always require sacrifice. It'll always require surrender. It'll always require just something of us. We don't just worship because we like it. We worship because we take responsibility. So let's take responsibility this morning as we stand, as we sing, as we proclaim who our God is. We proclaim it over our lives and we say, Lord, let it not just be the confession of my mouth, but let it be my life is to live for you, Lord. I take responsibility. Will you this morning just proclaim this with me? Lord, I take responsibility for my life in you, in Jesus' name. Will you say that? I take responsibility for my life, for my discipleship journey. Lord, I take responsibility for what you ask of me. I will be responsible and do it in a responsible way. But I will obey you, Lord. Send me, Lord. I will stand. I will be faithful. Whatever you ask, I say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we just pray over this beautiful army of people and we say, Lord, as we go, in our weakness, in our struggles, in our strengths, in our victories, in our joys, in our sadnesses, we go, Lord. And we say, let your kingdom come on earth as it is ever heaven. God's kingdom, hearts, homes, and beyond. The Lord bless you. Have a tremendous day and a tremendous week. If you need prayer, come let us pray for you this morning. If you wanna just let somebody pray with you, there's baptism happening after the service in the function hall. Please remember to send us your questions. But if you want prayer, just come and let us pray with you. And it'll be such a great thing to just have an opportunity to pray with you. The Lord bless you.